Right to be Read podcast, episode number 132. Interview with Dr. Tom Curran. You are listening to the Right to be Read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, hello there. It's me, Ani Alexander, and you're listening to the Right to be Read podcast. And today, as always, I will try to inspire and encourage you so you don't give up writing and keep your self-confidence as a writer. Today, before I start the interview, I want to tell you that I have been working really, really hard on the upcoming Blab Traction course, which will be covering mainly how you can use Blab as a platform to leverage your brand and to leverage your business. So I've been recording uh, different modules. Uh, it's been a very interesting experience since I've been doing it for the first time. And uh, it's been both fun and a challenge. And I'm almost done. So the course will be launching on November 1st. Before that, you can get a special offer at www.publishmybook.today.com backward slash blob. So check it out in case you enjoy live streaming platforms and in case you really want to get ahead and already take advantage of a social media new channel which is growing really, really fast. So let's see uh, what we have today. Today I have recorded this interview also on Blab and mm, the quality is slightly lower than I usually produce, but that's the reason. But since I interviewed a really interesting person and we covered a lot and the content was very valuable, I decided to put it on the podcast anyway. So today I am talking to Dr. Tom Curran. And he's the one who helps people to discover the unique gift that each of them is and to discover how they can be that gift in the world. He also helps speakers be able to present their message more effectively and helps organizations lead their organizations more effectively. But what is the most important that Tom is one of the best storytellers that I have met so far. That is why in this interview we talk about the power of the storytelling and Tom shares his knowledge and opinions around the topic. So I hope you will enjoy it. I definitely did and it's very valuable. So just dive into the content and if you would like to watch the Blab recording which includes more content and we spoke much more and we also had audience ask questions there you can watch it on my website at www.annialexander.com backward slash 132 okay so let's start and see what tom has to say i'm seeing more and more storytelling techniques getting into places where they have not been before like for example um the advertising you know different marketing tools are using that you know as to sell different products and services like copywriting is becoming more related to personal stories and emotional attachment with, with the creating, uh, you know, emotional attachment and stuff like that. So why do you think that stories and storytelling works best these days? And what is it there that actually, you know, makes people feel connected to those stories? 
Sure, that's a great point. Uh, a great question. Here's here's one way I would enter it. I think there are probably several answers, but my first answer would be stories become a bridge between truth and meaning and between the presenter and their audience. So, uh, for instance, um, if I'm going to say I've got this idea that I'm passionate about, it's an idea, let's say that I, it's true for me, and I want you to be able to capture the the, the power of that truth for you as well. I can just explain it conceptually. I can just say, here's the concept, here's its definition, here's the way that this uh, this concept could have some kind of impact in the world. Or I could tell you a story. And if I do it wisely, I can not only tell a story, but I can do it in a way that the meaning that is associated with that story becomes associated with the truth of that I have in my in my mind. And so that mm-hmm. story becomes the bridge and, and I'm literally walking across the bridge and I'm giving them an experience that's associated with that story itself. Okay, I see. So let's try to understand what makes a good story good. Like, you know, what is it? We have different stories. Some people are really creating strong stories that relate. Some people can't do it that well yet. So what is this thing that differentiates a bad story from a good story? So I would say that a, um, a good story uh, on the one hand is, is so attentive to the, to the audience that you're trying to say to yourself, how do I, in sharing a story, let's say it's a story from my own life, that I don't just share about my life, I share about our life. I don't just share about my experience, but I try to tell it in a way that also draws in your experience. So uh, here's just a, you know, a, for instance, um, I'll use a story like this to try to convey what I'm about. So I was at a, um, I was at a, I was at a seminar that I was leading for executives on developing their presentations. And I was walking towards a studio that we had where we were videotaping them. And as I approached it, I saw a hummingbird hovering just beautifully hovering in the air. And and you've seen a hummingbird, the way that it is able to just move back and forth so effortlessly. And what is invisible is the amount of effort that it takes for the hummingbird to appear effortless. And, you know, the, the number of beats of the wings, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and what I simply said is, you know, to the people that I, I present to is, I'm going to help you be like a hummingbird to appear elegant, to appear so graceful in the midst of presenting that uh, you're going to be able to have that sense of grace, that sense of mastery. It's going to appear effortless for you to be a master in, in presenting your own story, but it's going to take a tremendous amount of effort to appear effortless. And that effort is going to be invisible when you are at your maximum capability of, of being a presenter, for instance. So there's me telling a story that is an attempt to um, get them to connect that idea of what I'm trying to do for them, but using the story of an encounter with a hummingbird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's always kind of, you know, I, I know many people who say, I love writing, but I'm not writer because I can't write well. And uh, I guess, I mean, for me, writing well does not really mean uh, grammar and spelling because that can be fixed quite easily, like, you know, with the help of editors and stuff like that. To me, writing well is actually making people feel 
and taste and and uh, scent what you are writing about mm -hmm. without you telling it directly. So, uh, I mean, that's maybe relevant more uh, to creative writing. But I think that, you know, these days it's, it's, it also can be done in other uh, cases as well. <laughs> so how do you end up actually telling a story that makes people actually feel what you are telling? Like, like you know, put themselves into the character's shoes and kind of, you know, go through the experience and actually feel it as it should be? So I think what I do is I, uh, sometimes what I'll do is I'll begin with the most dramatic moment and then I'll mm -hmm. build back up. So when you're telling a story, sometimes I, th I think that storytellers are people who are going to be telling their story will say, I have to begin at the beginning. And so they'll use a sense of chronology and then, mm -hmm. and so And they think somehow that's being faithful to the story. I'm faithful to the story if I begin at the beginning and then I work my way forward through the story until I finally reach that climactic point. Well, a very powerful technique to get people into that feeling state is to move them ahead into the story to that more dramatic point, begin there, and then build back mm -hmm. up to it. So they're in that state from, uh, from the beginning. A couple of examples. Uh, I was... I was yesterday, I like to listen to audiobooks when I run. And I was listening mm -hmm. to a book called Eat and Run by Scott Jurek. He's an ultra marathoner. And he begins that story. He begins the, that story of his life with a moment where he's lying on the pavement in the midst of Death Valley in California uh, at, at midnight on 105 degree weather. And he is throwing up. And he is a 70 miles into a 135-mile race. So that's where he begins. He just grabs us right there at the beginning. And he, mm -hmm. he walks us into the, the, like how he's feeling and, and the uh, illusions that he's having, et cetera, et cetera. And then eventually he, he gets us to this point where we're all waiting. Okay, what happened? How did this story all unfold? Then he goes back into him being a child and the home he grows up in. He doesn't actually get to have that cathartic release in the story, but mm. he raises the tension by bringing us further into the story. And then he's going to build us back around to it. So I thought that was a, it was a great, um, it was a great hook at the beginning to keep me involved. So I think that that is one of uh, the very powerful ways in, in telling stories for, um, for someone who's presenting to um, get people to, um, uh, to get into a feeling state is begin with something that is highly dramatic. Okay, I see. So storytelling, is it a skill or is it a talent? I mean, are do everyone have the same potential of storytelling? Can it be learned? I mean, is it something, uh, I don't know, personality related or what it is? Uh, can can we learn it? If, if, for example, we're not good at it, can it be actually evolved? Yeah, in in my opinion, it's 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 like the concept of uh, uh, leadership. You know, is it is it born or is it trained? Right? Is it nature nurture? Mm -hmm. I think the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, it's both. Uh, I've found in my own life, I, I love to tell stories, but it is definitely more of a skill that I've had to work on, and it's mm -hmm. something that. It, and, and I know this because when I would speak, I've been a presenter for 25 years and I love telling stories. I weave stories into all of my presentations, but my passion was for the ideas. 
And so I would sit down at dinner and I'd be talking with my wife, Carrie, and I would be passionately talking about an idea that I had read that day or had written about. And she would just say, stop. She'd say, Tom, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't have the same background that you do in this in this intellectual realm of ideas. She'd say, link it to my experience. Make it relevant to me because it doesn't mean anything. And then what I would do is I would talk more enthusiastically about this about the uh, the topic. That, that's all I would do is I would use more heat rather than more light. Storytelling brings light where sometimes the passion we have is all we're conveying. And so I actually had to learn by listening and saying, okay, where can I find a metaphor for the content that's in my head that I'm so passionate about that can bring some light to this? Mm-hmm. So honestly, it was for me, principally a skill that was that that came from a desire to communicate in a more effective way with my wife. She happened to be the audience in that moment. And so I've constantly, and I can share with you some of the things that I do to develop the art of storytelling for my own presentations. Uh, but uh, there definitely for me has been certain things that I do to develop the skill of storytelling. Okay, great. Let's let's dive into that because I, I guess you know that the best is to actually get some practical tips in terms of you know I I, I think no matter how good you are at storytelling, there is always a place to to kind of you know <laughs> to develop your skills further. So um, how did you start, and what did you do to get where you are in as as a good storyteller? Sure. So one of the things that I did was I read good stories. And that can be a trap, um, but I I would try to find the best storytellers that I could, whether they were written or whether they were actual presenters. So just like, and I say it's, it can be a trap, it's that sometimes if we take a look at the very best storytellers that we can find or read the best stories that we can find, it presents an ideal that can seem to be so far beyond us that yeah. we get discouraged. And it makes us feel like I'll never be able to tell a story like that person's telling it. So I might, I might as well not even bother trying. And so mm-hmm. that could be a discussion, but don't approach it for that purpose. Approach it instead and saying, by finding the best, I'm going to ask myself, how do I stand back from the story and of the storyteller and say, what is this person doing? Like, for instance, I said, begin with that most dramatic point to, to grab the audience mm-hmm. and draw them in. Let's see, what else is this person doing? How is this person making me feel part of, of what their experience is. So I would, I would both try to be a participant and an observer of the very thing that I was uh, in the midst of. So that was one way that I uh, tried to improve as a storyteller was understand the actual technique that was being shown to me by the best storytellers themselves. Whenever we tell a story, there's always even if it's not about us, but there's always a concept and a proportion of ourselves in that story because it's our vision and because it's the way we perceive it and retell it and stuff like that. So uh, what do you think? How much the you and your personality play a role in storytelling? And do you have actually to adjust that or keep it the way it comes naturally? Yeah, absolutely. So when I think about the concept of a sto- of telling a story in relationship to a presentation, one of the big things that I bring out is that you are the presentation. 
you don't just make a presentation, you are the presentation. And by that, it means you have to pay attention to your voice. What's the pace and the pitch and the passion that you're showing in mm -hmm. your voice? Are you varying the pitch? Uh, are you varying the pace? Are you varying the passion or the energy that you're using? All at the service of bringing this content to this audience. How are you using your body, your face, the space in which you can move? How are you using a tool like a PowerPoint slide? How are you using, for instance, this platform, Lab, to be able to convey your content to your audience? So it's, it's always, I say there's a dual fidelity in storytelling or a dual fidelity in presentations. Am I being faithful to my content, but am I being faithful to the situation of my audience? And I have mm -hmm. to hold both of those in mind. And then I'm becoming the, the, that conduit. I'm becoming that instrument that says I'm the steward. I'm the one that is holding a sense of preciousness to this particular truth. And then how am I going to utilize this dance between myself, the space I'm moving in, and the tools that I have at my disposal, like slides, in order to get the most effective transmission of that content to this audience? Storytelling mm -hmm. is a powerful means of helping lead that along. So, for instance, for a presentation, a well-placed story at the beginning is going to grab people's attention. It's going to raise their expectations and say, this is a different type of presentation. Well, what a grabbing story. And then from there, you can begin to unfold some of the content, and then you weave in stories, whether they're drawn from your experience or they're drawn from just you know some place that you've read. So stories along the way can continue to help provide that meaningful sense of connection between your content and your audience through the experience that that story is helping to meaningfully bring out into the open. That's okay, a lot. I, I threw up. Is yeah, that helpful? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm just wondering, I mean, apparently when you're doing presentations and where you are telling a story, you prepare in advance. I mean, you, you have a plan and that's how you, you get there. So how much do you adjust based on audiences' uh, reactions when you are telling that story? Do you change it if needed or you know, you stick to your initial plan? How does it work? That's great. So I will do, uh, I will do two things. The first is I will try to remember that sometimes the audience isn't showing me on their face what's actually happening in their, in their being when I'm uh. presenting. So I think of how many situations where I've been presenting in front of a group and I'll have someone smiling and nodding at me, you know, seemingly through the presentation. Okay, they're with me. Only afterwards to find out they're they're being very very critical of of my message. And conversely, there are times when there's someone their head is down like this the whole presentation. And afterwards, and I'm thinking I've lost them. Okay, what can I do to get them back? And afterwards, they come back and they say it was one of the most impactful presentations I've ever heard. I had my head down and my hand in my head. Uh, because I was trying to focus so intently on what you were saying. I was so grabbed by it. And so one thing to say is don't always think that the, the reaction that the audience that is showing you visibly in front of you is actually the, a sign of the actual impact that you're having on them in the moment. So that's the first thing. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about writers. I mean, writers come up with books, come up with their stories. They write it for quite a long time. They, they relive it and then rewrite it. And, you know, it, it's a long, painful process. And when it's over, you end up starting actually marketing and selling your book. 
So eventually you come up with a story about that. Do you have to, I mean, which is better according to you? Do you have to actually come up with a new story that will lead to the book story or you somehow kind of, you know, use the book story to actually create a, a sales pitch or something like that, a book blurb or whatever? You know, I would say that um, I would begin more with the end in mind and say, okay, well, if there's a specific goal to this marketing campaign, what's the what's the right story to reach that? You know, if the story, if the if if the use of a story to help market a book is about um, is about somehow um, like let, let's say that it might be associated with the the concept of the author, or it might be it might have to do with the the actual topic of the book. So let's. Let's pick something out. Let's imagine you, let's let's actually get something that's very concrete. Um, I've written three books and uh, the, they're all in on their on sort of faith-based topics. Mm -hmm. And so one of my books is on the Catholic concept of confession, right? And so for many Catholics, that's a very like scary idea. And so I, I used the story of, you know, my own experience of going to confession and that you think of the concept of confessing. Oh, wow. Well, I can easily then come up with a story in the promotion of my book that can link into the experience that people have about mm -hmm. the idea of going to confession. So that's easy for me in that instance to use a story that is drawn from my life because it's connecting to the actual concept of the book. I'm not sure that uh, a lot of fiction writers are going to always have that same type of easy correspondence. So yeah. in those instances, it might be more valuable to focus more on the author's process of bringing that book to birth and how that came about. There might be more there uh, in terms of um, the, uh, the capacity of finding a story to be able to bring that out into the open. Or maybe there's a sympathetic figure in the book and somehow that becomes what the, the marketing story is about, is drawing yeah. on you know, the, 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 the character in the book, or maybe a theme in the book and wrapping a story around that meaningful theme. Those would be a couple of other, I think, pathways to using mm -hmm. a story for the actual marketing or promotion of the book. Okay. I see. So, um, what about, I mean, we, we are talking a lot about stories that are based on reality and are based on actual life experiences and things like that. So what if you want to create a story from scratch, like make it up completely? It didn't happen to you. It's It may not even be possible in real life and things like that. So how do you approach, like you, you're sitting there, you're starting from scratch. It's just an empty sheet. You've got no ideas at this point, but you want to create something completely original, which is not like the other stories. So how do you actually approach this process? Where do you start? So I would say two things. The first is I would um, sometimes, again, what I'll do is I will um, look around at just things that are happening in my life. And one of the skills that I try to develop is take the events of the, the right here and now and mm -hmm find a way to wrap that up into a story. So any, uh, for instance, our attempts to successfully launch this blab this <laughs> evening or this morning was, it, it was very humorous, but frustrating at the same time. And yeah. so there's a story to be told right there. You know, the story of 
you know, I thought it was going to work the way it always did. And that was my mistake. Or I thought uh, I expected to turn on the computer and have it work the way it worked every other time I did. And that was my mistake. Sometimes life um, throws us a curveball and we should expect it. And, and there would be an easy way to bring a story up around the experience of mm. technology doesn't work until you prove it does. And I found that out this morning. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. you tell, and then you tell the story. So I say that life is handing you opportunities to take the experience you're having literally just as you're going through your day and find a way to say, okay, let me wrap this up into a story. Let me use this as a metaphor for some point that I'm using. So, so that was my first point. The second is that uh, I think that there's a little bit of, let's call it the, a little bit of freedom or license to be able to shift some of the details. So it's not exactly the way it all mm-hmm. happened in reality. And, and to do that, to make a point, you know, you, you have that sort of author's license in order to make the point happen a bit more powerfully. And I think that that needs to be done judiciously or, or has to be, you have to discern how far you actually depart from the, uh, the reality of what actually happened. Um, and at the, you know, at some point you're going to be starting to, to, to betray reality rather than saying I, I'm shifting it a bit for the sake of conveying reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. Well, I mean, now it's obvious. Now storytelling has become part of your business, let's say. But before that occurred, uh, how did all those storytelling skills help you in your life? Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you, storytelling, huge value in parenting, a huge value in in communicating things with, with my wife. So just in terms of like daily life uh, mm-hmm. or leadership in my business, uh, being able to um, bring out um, the point that you're trying to make through telling a story has so much more impact than just relying on uh, pure pure sharing of concepts. Uh, you know, there's a basic rule in communication that what is received is received according to the mode of the receiver, not mm-hmm. according to the intention of the of the speaker or the communicator. And if we really take that seriously, that what is received is received according to the mode of the receiver, that means I can put four different kind of cups in front of me and I can pour the same content into those cups. But what is going to be received is received according to the shape and the size of the cup. That's what. That's how it's going to take in what I'm saying. And if we mm-hmm. really ponder that, then we have to do a lot more listening, a lot more uh, thinking about how are people receiving what it is I'm sharing. We seem to focus so much time and effort on what I'm sharing that we don't spend nearly as much time on Am I effectively communicating to this receiver, this receiver, and this receiver? True. Yeah, true. Okay, so the last question, and then we can wrap it up and, and interact with the audience, I guess. So um, my podcast is for newbie writers who are just starting. So what would be your one most important advice to them? Don't wait for perfection before you start writing. Don't wait for the perfection of the first sentence before you write the second sentence. Uh, recognize that before you ever write, you are an author, meaning that there's a message that is already in you and it's already coming out of you, whether you recognize it or not, you're already authoring a message with your life. And the more that you can recognize that message that you're authoring with your life 
And the, the more easily you'll be able to say, I can now find another mode of communicating that message to the world, namely doing that in writing. So before you're ever a published author, you are publishing a message with your life. So you're already authoring something. And hopefully that mm -hmm. should free up a bit of the anxiety, a bit of the, the energy that can come around, the frustration of putting pen to paper. And mm -hmm. the last thing I would say is when it comes to the concept of authoring something, uh, find the medium that can support the idea of bringing it to paper. For instance, I love speaking far more than I enjoy writing. So oftentimes what I'll do is I will speak my message, I'll record it, and then from there I'll be able to transcribe it. And that gives me the basis for how it is I then want to get it into a more polished written form. And so start with a path to the publishing of your message that is the easiest for you. So if it's speaking, if it's having a dialogue with someone and taking notes down, if it is, if it's actually writing, then do that writing. Um, but find that means to getting the message out into the world that is going to be the easiest flow for you and then go from there. Okay, that was it for today. I really hope you enjoyed the interview. If you want to watch the whole Blab recording, which is much longer and includes extra content, please get on my website at www.annialexander.com backwards slash 132. And also don't forget to check out the Blab Traction course, which is coming out just in few days on November 1st. And the special price offer will be valid until then, I hope. So just check out uh, the Blab Traction course at www.publishmybook.today backwards slash blab, blab spelled B-L-A-B. Well, I really hope you're going to have an effective week, a productive week, and you will create loads of amazing text pieces and will tell your story in words that will touch your readers. Take care and I'll meet you in the next episode.